All right, we're so glad you joined us for our venue uh, virtual live experience, or uh, mostly live experience. You can interact as we go here. Say hi, reach out and say hi to somebody. Uh, once again, VenueChurch.ca is the, kind of the best landing place for venue kids, for virtual kids, the stuff that we're doing there. Um, Facebook watch parties, we have links on there as well. Also, venue groups, you can join a group right there to get involved during the week. Look, I know you've got nothing to do and you are a captive audience, and so uh, why don't you join a group and start doing life with people? Even if you don't live in our city, we would love to be able to do life with you. Um, last on the initial announcements and welcome is that we have a brand new uh, YouTube uh, called The Venue YouTube channel, and uh, you can click and subscribe to that. We would love that for you today. Now, we're going to start our worship experience. And this experience I've called, uh, I've called this experience, I forgot what I've called this experience. Oh, the pain template is what I've called it. And uh, what we want to do is how to teach you through the Word of God how to be okay when it's not okay. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says this. This is God speaking to you, for I know the thoughts, he says, that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Last week we said that you can't outthink fear but the only way to deal with fear is who you're with. David said, uh, the one I'm with is the one who deals with my fear. Yea, though I walk, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Things in your life might seem unstable and uncertain right now, but God never changes. He is stable. He is good. His character can be trusted. He has never broken a promise. The song that we're going to sing together is a song filled with promise. It's funny. Um, as I go out and pray sometimes, or Aaron and I go out and pray, start praying with your spouse and with your kids and with your friends. I say sometimes what I feel like God says to me. He says, son, stop thinking and just pray. Just a personal thank you once again for uh, all of our venue crews here as I fumble with this thing. Whatever, if you were here live, I'd be fumbling with it too. Um, Thank you to our venue crews who are having to pre-record these. We, we love that you've joined us today. The chat is live, but we are pre-recording these in the studio. Trying to keep safe, trying to keep all our people safe. I pray for safety for you today. You know, um, it's funny. I think I'm good. It's funny um, that I feel in this moment here a sense of exceptional calm. Now, I don't know that if that describes how you're feeling about this right now, probably not. I feel uh, exceptionally calm about this moment, and you're thinking, well, you have it better than I do. No, I don't know that the calm comes from my circumstance, though. Um, I want to be able to pass along some of the calm that I have from the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit has been showing me and showing us uh, what it is that He wants to do. Remember now, fear is not dealt with because you can outthink it, you can outsmart it. No, fear is only dealt with from who you're with. And I feel like the Holy Spirit has been giving me some direction from you wherever you are this week. Uh, we've had a crazy couple of weeks. So listen, believe me, it's not because our circumstance is great. I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and I should have been recording it maybe two hours ago, and our teams have been working to try to get everything up and running. So, And more than that, like we're looking at economy and we're looking at uh, you know people losing their jobs and it's not circumstantial though there's this calm I realized that um, something that that I have 
that I wish that you would have today, and I think by the end of the sermon today that maybe God will help you get. It's this thing called a, a pain and suffering template. A pain and suffering template. Do you have a pain template? A pain template is, is whenever something happens, this is how I think and how I feel about it. Does that make sense? This is how I think and how I feel about this type of a situation. The problem is what I'm finding is maybe this thing is landing on you in a bad place. I think this generation, I don't know that it's going to land in a good place where we're going to... But listen, by the grace of God, he can give us a pain template. This is what I worry about, is that the templates that you might have had up till this point in your life and the templates that I might have had up till this point in my life, an entire generation's template, might... Um, listen, I think this is what we do. I think we try to memorize the template. But a template for pain that God would want you to have... Help me out, studio audience. I need a little more feedback from you. Um, the template that we need for pain and suffering is not something you can memorize, meaning like this. Okay, if this exact situation that it took me like six years to figure out how to think and how to feel about, if this exact situation happens again, then I might be able to land in the right place. But the reality of it is that's not a good template because a good template will tell you if this situation happens or anything like it, I know what's underneath it and I know what the real issue is what the real trigger is, what the real thing going on underneath is, I know that the fear is hitting me not in this place, but in this place. And when you have a, a pain and suffering template for your circumstances, nothing can take you down because something brand new can happen that's a hardship. And I realized, you know what? I think I have a pain template and I want to show you how to get a, plain temp a pain template because it's not something that you just come up with. Um, we need a robust pain and suffering template. Um, when I'm talking about a template, what do you mean, pastor? Like, what's a template? A template is like how I think and feel and how I handle a situation in this way. So it's not like, okay, I memorized the right things to say. No, 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 I'm going to say the right things, whatever they are and whatever the situation demands to follow the character of God and to help people and to come out ahead and to be a constructive member of society instead of hoarding all the toilet paper at home. All right, um, so what is a template? Here's, here's a template and here's my idea of a template. When I was in, I think I was in grade 10, my memory is awful, so I could have been... I think I was in grade 10, and I think I was playing in the gym at school. I remember this happened by the gym. And uh, a grade 10 girl named, uh, named Shelly, who's a nice girl in my class, she, she pulled me aside into, into, like, the hallway by the gym. And first of all, like, I like sports, and so don't get me out of the gym. Like, so anyway, she pulls me out. I'm in grade 10. Uh, no, maybe I, I was probably in grade 11, maybe, now that I'm thinking about it. You should have thought about this earlier. I did, and then I forgot about it. So that's what I do. So I think it was in grade 11, maybe the later part of grade 11. And by this time, I had had my, my first girlfriend by this time. I didn't ask my wife about this one, but it was pretty innocent. Um, and it was, it was okay. Like, anyways, now it's super awkward. Now I'm feeling awkward. I'm feeling weird. See, I don't have a template for that because I should have asked her and I totally forgot about it because we were doing online stuff this morning. Um, so anyways, by this time, though, uh, I was in a place where I was like, okay, I'm done dating. I don't want to date. I just want to, I, I don't want to date right now. And so she pulled me aside and she says to me, she says, hey, Corey, um, do you like any of the girls in our class? And um, <laughs> don't do this. Don't do what I did. But I was like, I didn't want to date and I was mad that I wasn't in the gym. So I said, 
she says, do you like any of the girls in the class? And she was really nervous, and I didn't know why she was nervous asking me this, because I figured like somebody liked me in the class, and I, why would you be nervous about that? Um, and so I, my response was like, heck no. <laughs> I didn't do well. I, was, I, was, I, have, I have a not Canadian typical personality of like peacemaker and just, hey, just keep it, you know. I just, when I was a kid, I was much more so what I am now, <laughs> which is a little bit shocking sometimes. But anyways, I'm just like, heck no. Like, I didn't want to date and stuff. And I'm like, heck no, you know, but I guess thanks for asking. And then I went back into the gym or whatever. I didn't realize, see, I had no template. I didn't realize that what she meant was and what girls mean in, in high school when they ask you if you like somebody in the class was, do you like me? Because it wouldn't, Right. I don't know, template. I didn't, I didn't know that she was talking about her or else I could have totally, I wouldn't totally, I feel like I totally would have come up with this totally. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, that's so sweet. Um, you know, we got some great girls in the class. Really great. You're great. I think you're especially great. But I'm just not ready to get into a dating relationship right now with any of these girls over here is what I'm talking about. But you're ex exceptionally great. My brother could have probably pulled that off in lifetime, but there's not a day in my life when I would have been able to do that. Um, I didn't have a template for it. Um, so, so actually, my first girlfriend, this is a funny thing anyways, uh, she, she comes to me, this is after I'm out of high school, and she, come, she comes, she's like, I need to talk to you about something. And I'm like, I, I don't want to date you again, is what I'm thinking. I'm like the world's worst person. But anyways, I just, I'm like, I just didn't want to. Thank God that I did. I didn't though, right? Because now I got Aaron. I held out and I got the Cadillac. So, so she says, I want to talk to you. And then I'm like, well, but, but um, and I was nervous about this because if you make me wait, then I get super nervous, right? That's what my dad used to do. Like go up to your room and think about what you did before I come up there and then I would get nervous about it. And so, um, yeah, no, it was good. I was a difficult child. Um, I'm a difficult adult, heck. Um, but what I said was, I said, I said, okay, and then I talked to my best friend Jason at the time, who she also knew, and I said, uh, and, and she's like, I need to talk to you about something, and, I, and I'm like, oh no, oh my goodness, she, she likes me again. And I, I can't blame her, because, I mean, look at me, ladies, this is the whole package. I, <laughs> like, that was just the first thought that was in my head, like, oh my goodness, she likes me again. But like... We dated and it didn't work out and I don't think that it's gonna work out. I don't know that we're compatible and stuff. So I told my best friend Jason, I'm like, Jason, I think that she likes me and here's my dilemma. But I really wanna be you know, nice and let her, let her off and just, I don't know how to. And Jason looks at me and he goes, that's definitely not what it is. <laughs> and I'm like, you sure? Cause I'm super attractive. So I would. Um, so I found out a couple weeks later that they were actually dating each other, and that's definitely not what it was. I'm like, why would you, two weeks later, I'm like, why would you just tell me that you were dating instead of making me do this awkward thing? And it turns out that, that see, I had no template for when somebody asks you to talk to you in a week's time. That means that they're still mad at you about something. <laughs> but I didn't know, because I was stupid. I didn't, I didn't have a template. Um, when somebody says that to you, it's always because when somebody's like, Pastor, can I talk to you about my marriage? It's never, we've been in the best place ever. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's like, I need to talk to you about my teenage kid. And I'm like, 
I already know what it's going to be about, but it's never like, they're in a good place spiritually. I want them to pray for you because you poured so much into their life. It's never that. It's the, always the other thing. And so um, I, I think you and I know that we have no proper pain and suffering template because in every piece of pain and suffering, there is an underlying lesson that God wants for your life. There is a sowing of seed in famine so that he can bring blessing into your life. There's hardship. Let's be honest, though. There's hardship. There's a cross, but... There is a resurrection. And so what we try to do is we try to get to the resurrection without the cross. But if there's a resurrection without a cross, then you'll think that the dream is all about you. When it's not all about you, it's about the people around you. And so uh, you and I have no proper template for things that we're suffering right now, like disappointment template. Um, What to do when my dream of my company just died in this economic thing happening right now template. Like, I'll follow you, God, until I don't get what I want template. (laughs) The pain of discovering that that's not how God works. The betrayal template, the coronavirus template. The economy is crashing template. The I just lost my job, I think, template. The big idea today is that, and the main point of my sermon is that I suspect, now just, I suspect, that there are very few of us in a, in a room of 100, I don't think there would be many that are capable of coming up with the right pain and suffering template, particularly first time out of the gate. First time out of the gate is always a fail. Like we're doing massive amounts of, of experiments here. We actually got online uh, church up this morning and you're gonna hear this sermon. And it wasn't, it wasn't just like an online platform. We did six or seven. We just counted them off as a team. Six or seven hard jobs, and we did them all at once. And so thank you. We just, we're that dumb. We just try it all. Uh, but, and most of it worked, you know. Um, but the idea is, uh, are you able to create a pain and suffering template for you? I don't know that you are, actually. I don't know that you are. Um, God gives, here's my big idea, a few of us great pain and the revelation to create a template, an emotional and psychological and spiritual template in pain that others could follow in their moments of pain. It is a gift that God gives some. Be careful that you don't want that gift because in the gift it's almost like there's a lash. There's almost like there's a, a whip. The, the person that he gives this pain and suffering to, there's so much of it that you and I may not have the ability to suffer that much, and he gives the gift of suffering. Uh, to, to them, it's a cross, but to you, it's a gift. And he gives the ability to them not just to get through it. Some of us can get through pain and suffering, but we never get better. We never learn. We never see what was going on. We never harvest the right things. And we sow all over here in the time of famine when God can only bring you a harvest by doing it this way. And so he gives the gift to some and not to others. So um, Horatio Spafford, um, I'm reading what uh, Connie Ruth Christensen, I just want to credit that so I don't get sued. Uh, Horatio Spafford was a wealthy Chicago lawyer. I'm going to talk to you about somebody who found a template for pain. With a thriving legal practice, a beautiful home, a wife, four daughters, and a son. As soon as I hear four daughters, that always hits me hard because I have four daughters. It says, at the very height of his financial and professional success, listen, uh, he and his wife suffered the tragic loss of their young son. I can't imagine what that would be like. It says, shortly thereafter, did you know that if you lose a child, the the percentage of uh, 
marriages that make it through that just goes way down. And so already, oh, what's he, what are they going to do? And then shortly thereafter, in 1871, the great Chicago fire destroyed almost every real estate investment that he had. Something goes horribly wrong, and if that's not enough, then he loses almost everything that he's got. Sometimes if something goes wrong and you still have something else to hold on to, you, you somehow make it, but he, he's losing. And then watch, watch this. In 1873, Spafford scheduled a boat trip to Europe in order to give his wife and daughters a much-needed vacation and time to recover from the tragedy. He also went, catch this part, to join Moody and Sankey on an evangelistic campaign in England. But it says, Spafford sent his wife and daughters ahead of him while he remained in Chicago to take care of some unexpected last-minute business. Several days later, he received notice that his family's ship had encountered a collision. All four of his daughters drowned. Only his wife had survived. So I have four girls, and so I just, I cannot even imagine, I get emotional just thinking about this. With a heavy heart, he boarded a boat that would take him to his grieving Anna in England. It was on this trip that he penned those now famous words of the hymn called It Is Well. It sounds like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Can you imagine... Um, sailing the same, the same seas and the same waves where he's just lost his daughters and finding this to say, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He found a template Just because you're suffering doesn't mean you'll find a template. He, he found a template. How could he land there? How could he? You couldn't. How could he land there? How could this not be the end for him? How could he write these words to God in the midst of great bitterness and great... And he writes these words out of a place, out of a heart that's somehow got some form of worship in it. To be able to sit before God and say, it is well with my soul. Was it that he didn't love these? Of course not. Of course not. He found something different. There was, he found a template, but he wasn't the first one. You don't have to be the first one out of the gate to find this thing. Listen, in 2 Kings chapter 4, we find, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, Elisha was the prophet trained by the uh, prophet Elijah. And it says, where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat some food. So note that you're going to hear about the miracle at the end. But please note that her miracle didn't start in her need. It started here. So sometimes you and I, we wait till the panic to look for the miracle, but listen, the, the seed for your next miracle in the next panic starts today. She met the need of the prophet, of the one who speaks with the voice of God. Catch that, catch that. As often as he passed by, he would turn there to eat some food. 
And she said to her husband, Look now, I know there's a, this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day when he came there that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. Now, you got to create mental pictures. That's what my life is full of is mental pictures and it's kind of weird. But And then it says, she stood before him and he said to him, um, say now to her. So it's like calling, calling somebody into the room and then telling somebody to say something to her, right? Say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? So it's like he says it to his servant and his, like, his servant looks, it's like when you're not talking to somebody when you're a child. Can you please tell so-and-so that I'm very angry with her? Um, he's very angry with you. Well, tell him back, that, right? It's kind of an odd little thing here that I, I feel like it's saying. Um, here's something else. Sometimes um, God speaks to you however he wants to speak to you. You can get offended at that, or sometimes God sends somebody to you that you don't think can have much to offer to you, but be careful. She answered, I dwell among my own people. She shows that, no, I'm content here. I don't need anything out there. I, I'm content here. So he said to his servant, what? then is to be done for her. And the servant answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. She has no son and her husband is, is old. She didn't want to tell him that and burden him with that. But sometimes this is why you need to get involved in a venue, a virtual group, why you need to get involved in do life face-to-face -face and screen-to-screen -screen with people. Because sometimes people can ask questions like, to you about the dreams that you did have that you're too afraid to say anymore because you just think that they're dead. And um, he, call, he, he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Like, no, 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 don't do this to me right now. I have been down that road. And no, I have hoped and dreamed. And no, I, I don't have it in me to do this again. Does anybody feel like that about something in your life i I finally got used to my loneliness. I finally got used to being broke. I finally got used to it. Don't tell me that it can be different. I got used to my physical. I got used to my depression. Don't tell me. Don't you, don't you dare tell me to dream. Don't give me hope where there's no hope. Don't resurrect a dream. I couldn't bear it again. It says, but the woman conceived and bore a son. And when the appointed time had come, and uh, when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And uh, then uh, the story ends there where all her dreams came true and she lived happily ever after. <laughs> I know that you wish that that's what I would say, but that's not where the story ends. And it says, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. It's like, it's like when your little girl comes and says, my tummy, my tummy hurts. Um, so he said to his servant, anybody else have uh, too many kids? I have too many kids. So when you have your first kid, I always say that. I, I love my daughters. When you have your first kid, I do love my daughters. When you have your first kid, it's like you're trying to figure out, you're trying to diagnose what pr their problem is. So like, is it their teeth? Is it their teeth? Should we give them this? Should we do this? Is it their head? Are they, is it their stomach? Are they, you know, what is it? By the time we had kid four, it was like shot of this, shot of that, shot of that, bed, off you go. 
Sleep tight, baby. We'll see you in the morning. Um, <laughs> you think I'm joking. Um, but listen, he, he says to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees, sat in her lap till noon, and then died. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Not in my Bible. What? No. And she went up. Watch what she does. Her response is everything. She went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. She went up, laid him in the room of the prophet. And watch. She doesn't trust herself to speak. She doesn't trust herself to do anything. This is what she does. This is what she does. She doesn't trust herself to find a template. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? Because he doesn't think anything is wrong. She hasn't told him. Can you imagine what kind of discipline it would take for her not to tell him that? So he said, Why are you going? Like, he thinks that everything is okay. And she said, Get this, get this. It is well. Horatio wasn't the first. It is well. When you look at the, the Lord Jesus who hung on a cross and said, it is finished, you can sit and hang on your cross and say, it is well, because it is finished. I don't have to finish it. It is well. I, right now, before I get the answer, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. She is giving you a template of what to do. Had she immediately spoken and, and inserted fear into the life of her husband, had she immediately gone to the neighbors and cried and allowed herself grief, had she immediately done anything but what she did, what is she looking for? She's looking for the one who speaks with the voice of God. She's looking for the voice of God. And she will not speak until she hears the voice of God. She cannot speak anything but what the Lord speaks or it will create another reality and another outcome that she does not want. Now, she doesn't know. She says, it is well. Whether I get this or whether I lose this, it is going to be okay. But I'm going to give this every chance I can of succeeding. And I've got to guard my mouth. I've got to guard who I'm with right now. And she says to this, she saddles a donkey and she's like, hey, Basically, like, drive as fast as you can. Don't slow down for me. Now, this is the word of God to somebody out there. I'm just feeling it right now. Listen, you want to sit down and feel sorry for yourself, but sitting down and feeling sorry for yourself will not help your children right now. You've got to stand up. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. You can do this. You can, you can get through this. You're not going to die. This is going to work out in the favor of the people of God. And she's like, don't go easy on me. And so she departed and went to the man of God on Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? Why are you here? His work, you understand, was of national importance. And he sees her from afar off and he says, I, I, I don't know what's going on over there, but... Run out and ask her these things. Is it well? Is it well? She had just said, it is well. Is it well? 
Some of you think that you have to be honest and voice your negativity and your fear all of the time. Well, she's not being honest if that's what honesty is. I don't think that's what honesty is. I think honesty is speaking the truth of Christ in any circumstance because there is a higher law than that. Now, that's, you've got to be careful that it's faith and not presumption because Christ followers deal with reality and the harshness of reality and then go in human aid and then go into places that are infected with disease to try to help. Listen, we deal with reality. We must deal with re- Jesus came into a broken world and got went right into the power of sin and death and he went right down into the midst of it so don't say that Christians just bury their heads in the sand, man. Maybe some of us do, but we're working on it. No, 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 no. We have the grace to deal with reality. Right. But you've got to be careful that you can't change reality if you're still speaking every negative thing that goes through your head. And so she answered his servant out there, it is well. Now when she came, she's like, this, I, I look, it's, I need you right now. She came to the man of God of the hill. She caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away, the servant. Would you, would, I'm feeling it again, would you throw yourself at the feet of somebody with a template right now? Or are you too proud? You're just going to sit there, you got it, you got it? Yeah, well, the next crisis, you're not going to have it because the point of this crisis is that God gives you a template so you know how to deal with pain and suffering in the future. And you can come out with a win when everybody else is going to lose. Psalm 91 says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. It shall not come near those who have a template to follow the Lord their God. And she answered, It is well. She came near. She throws herself at his feet. But the man of God said when, when the servant is like, I don't know what he's doing. Like, get out of here. Oh, this is like Old Testament, so things were kind of weird back then. Um, he said, let her alone, Elisha says, for her soul is in deep distress. Her soul is, let her alone in her deep distress? Well, that's not what you and I do. When our teenager is in deep distress, we try to get between them and pressure. Sometimes when we try to lessen the pressure, mom and dad, sometimes when we try to lessen the pressure, we actually get between them and God because that pressure might be the very thing that's driving them to Christ and you're trying to save them. But you're not Jesus. Sometimes you got to let somebody fail a bit rather than bail a bit. I stole that from Andy Stanley. I said it better. But here's what I wonder. Her soul is in deep distress. Let her alone. Would you sit there dignified with your dead dream at your feet or would you be willing to feel the anguish again like this thing ought to live. No, no, no. This thing ought to live. No, 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 no. My, my daughter, who's not loving Christ and is lost on drugs and on the streets, is that relationship, she's dead at my feet, and I'm okay with it. I don't want you to come to church and be okay with it anymore. I want you to be in deep distress. I want you to feel it. I want you to feel it when your brother is in the pig pen and the prodigal. I want you to feel it at home, not just be like, hey, he's gone. No, 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 I want you to feel it. I want you to be at the end of the road like, come on, come home. He says, the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? She does something that you have to do, and nobody can do it for you. You have to speak your greatest fear to start that template. It's going to get to it. What's your, what are you afraid of right now? What are you afraid of? Losing what? Losing what? Fear's greatest hits. Stephen Furtick. (laughs) Losing what? You gotta speak it. 
It says, uh, then Elisha knows. And it says, when he came to the house, there was the child lying dead on the, the bed. He went in there for shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up, and, and this is what they used to teach in prophet schools. If you, if you have a dead child, this is how you raise the child back to life. Are you ready? He went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands in his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, Listen, sometimes the person who speaks with the voice of God, uh, you're looking for a miracle, but you're kind of like Naaman looking for a miracle and dipping in whatever river you want to dip in. And sometimes God's like, dip in the muddy river. Sometimes when God tells the man or woman of God something for you, it won't make any sense to you because if it made sense to you, then you'd take the credit for the healing. You'd be like, oh, I did figure out my business. And God is like, a month ago, you were done. Well, I did. You know, I guess I'm a great father. I guess my teenage son. And God is like, who did what now? Yeah, right. No. And don't forget who does the heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy lifting. Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, he returned and walked back and forth in the house. And he again went up and stretched himself out on the child. And the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. Yeah. And, and it immediately said in my Bible, get off of me. Um, <laughs> now listen, if it's my daughter up in the room and the prophet comes down and is pacing back and forth in the house, would I have the patience and the fortitude to say nothing? Because she did. She still held her soul to a disciplined place that would not admit defeat if the prophet would not admit defeat. She's not going to pester him with a silly question because in her silly question, her fear might come out. Are you hearing me? She has already spoken her fear. Now she leaves it in the hand of the one who can deal with it. She does not distract him. She's ready. Listen, this is going to sound funny, but I feel I need to say this. She's ready to feed him. She's ready to carry a body out. She's just ready. What, are you, what, what condition is your soul in today or tonight or wherever you're watching this from? What condition is your, are you just ready? You've spoken your greatest fear to the Lord and you found the voice of the one who, and then you're just like, okay, stop, stop. And he called his servant and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in fell at his feet. She would never again forget that the dream that came from God can only belong to God. Bowed to the ground and she picked up her son and went out. I want to ask you today, as I close, what dreams are you too scared to ask for? Maybe it's time to ask again. What dream has died in your arms that now you're just living with? Here is the template that I've found in this scripture. And this is the template that I try to use in my life that has given me a template for this situation and many other situations that have come and many more that will come. And I do not need to worry that when the next one comes, I won't have enough in the tank because I have a template handed to me by this woman. Template number one. You ready? Yeah. Write this down. Live this out. Find those leaders who speak with God's voice. Find the leaders, the ones who... Discern all the voice and find the way of God and speak it. Find 
the leaders who speak with God's, God chooses some to speak, some to lead, and others to follow. Everybody gets through it in the end if we just do it the way that God wants it. Listen, here's also what I know. You might be a leader in your industry, but here's what I know. You will never be anointed or appointed by God to lead yourself, ever, spiritually. I might be the pastor here, but I have a pastor that I'm, I find the voice of God. You tell me what to do. I'm, I know, I know, I know. Number one, find those leaders who speak with God's voice. Number two, find those people God has called you to. Find those people God has called you to. Not all people are your people. It is the only place where dreams are given and resurrected because your people will remind you that the dream was God's and better, better go back to God because you and I are so selfish that we have to remember to return that child, to return that dream. Some of you were praying and praying and praying for a child, but what are you going to do with that child? Will that child go back to God or will you keep it like it's yours now? Hmm. The dream can... Here's part three. You got to give the dream back to God. God, if this thing works out, you get the whole thing now. Because before I tried to use it for myself, because when I got married, I thought that it was about me, but it should be about you. And if this ever works out in the future, God, I'm giving that dream back to you. Come on up here, Pastor Aaron. If you've never given your life to Jesus and what I'm preaching is coming straight to you, but you're like... I dreamt one day when I was in church as a child that I would know God. I dreamt that I would, but then I walked away from God. You're coming back to God, or, or maybe you never were with God, and you've never, you're ready to make a life change. I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, just repeat this prayer for me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, your son who paid for all my sins by hanging on a cross and by bleeding out, but he was resurrected to new life. Father, I pray that though my life has been a grave, that you would resurrect it, but everything that is resurrected belongs to you, my future, Lord, but also my past sins, they belong to you. Only you can forgive sins, and I pray, Father, that you would forgive sins of every person praying this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to... Um, Pastor Aaron, can you just pray... Uh, uh, I want you to pray resurrection of a dream over people's lives. Can you do that? Would you accept this wherever you are? Can you just accept this into your spirit and just say just say yes to this? Go ahead. And pray. Father, we thank you today for the dreams that you put in our heart and the dreams that um, maybe there's dreams even today that we've uh, buried or we've let die and uh, we want speak them into us again so that we can actually lay them at your feet, so that we can lay them before you, so that we can um, give them to you and see what you will do with them, oh God. We pray for resurrection power, resurrection life to come to the things that you've called us to. And as we let these things go, as we lay them before you, we just are so grateful and so thankful that you are who you say you are and that we can trust in you. In Jesus' name. but there was a day that our um, marriage and our family was over and um, when you lose what you think that you can't lose there's something that you feel like you've worked so hard towards and you're losing it and um, but you know I'm not saying it works out for everybody but I, I want to say that that no matter what it feels like you're losing or what it is that you've lost there is a God who is a resurrected Jesus who can 
bring new life to you, can bring things to you that you'd never deserved, things that we never deserved, and we are so grateful to the Lord our God. But if he is, can heal our lives, he can heal your life too. I really believe that. I, I want to open this up for, I love you. I want to open this up for um, a time of, you don't have to, okay, she's gone. Um, a time of giving. You'll notice that the Shunammite woman in the story here, she gave to, to the man of God. Sometimes you have to give to the Lord's house so he can take care of your house. How many people know that? Because her house one day needed a miracle. And when we give and we take care of the house of the Lord, and that the Lord uses that house to help the souls of people and to bring people out of darkness and into his light. When you bless the Lord's house, then the Lord has seed uh, from your life that he can bring a harvest to you. And we want to give you an opportunity to give. Um, we're going to put that text slide and overlaid on the screen right now so you can see the different ways to do that. Look, I want to bless you, Venue Church, for your generosity. If this is your church, then, then I would ask that you would give your tithes and offerings here. But I want to say bless you for being generous because now we have uh, time to give. We have time to get online. We thank you for being generous and for caring about other people. Um, I love you for that. So that's an opportunity you have. I want to leave you with this prayer from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace in this time. If you need prayer or you need personal prayer or connection or you need to join a group, just click on the links right there that are in front of you. We love you. We're praying for you. We'll see you this week in virtual groups, at virtual kids, at virtual experiences during the week. If you need to hear this sermon again, we would love to offer that to you. We're going to leave you in a spirit of worship. Remember, Jesus is the King of Kings and he never breaks his promises.